Hey, welcome to our continuing series this summer uh, that we're calling The Blessed Life. We're looking at the Beatitudes of Jesus, uh, and, and these are statements that Jesus gave because this is who we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ. They're not suggestions. It's actually a description that Jesus is giving, these mic drop statements we've been looking at, uh, of who a Christian is supposed to be. And, and so they're really, really practical. I think we're all growing a lot and being challenged as well. I know I certainly am uh, in, in this series and want to give a big old shout out to everyone joining us on our online campuses. Also our microsites that are continuing as well. And, and many people are, are you know, having a, even a greater Valley experience instead of at home, but actually gathering with a small group uh, of of other believers and, and watching the online campus together and then discussing that. Uh, so before we jump in, I want to sh- just, normally I would say go ahead and open up your Valley app, but we're phasing that out. But I do want to direct you to where you can find notes, and that's on our website. L- look for my big, beautiful, bald head right there with the Valley Christian Church uh, tattoo across the top. Uh, that's something I'm actually considering right there. No, not really. But uh, that has the message notes at valleyny.cc. We're making it so it's all in one place. It's not a separate app and a separate website. We're trying to bring so much together, make it one stop for everyone, make it really easy and simple. And you'll find the notes for today's message, week number seven, uh, as we look at a pure perspective, a pure perspective in Jesus's words. We'll cr- a real quick review for us. You know, we've looked at in the past weeks, and this is all on the website. You can check out the former, uh, you know, most recent messages if you missed any of those. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. We looked at last week. Uh, And and again, this is top side down from what the world says is the blessed life. Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of mine, if you're going to really be a Christian, this is what it looks like. This is what my followers, my family really looks like. And so we're going to the next one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, uh, I have to admit, uh, you know, I have a little vacation time coming up soon here, uh, and and the family, we're going to going to be going to the beach. Susie and I will be spending some time at the beach. And I already told her, I just can't wait to just walk along the beach at sunset. Or, or maybe even we'll get up at sunrise and then make sure we take a nap. But there's something about just the ocean, the sand. You just, just look at the beauty of creation and you realize this is not random chance. Evolution doesn't make anything beautiful like that. No way. Random Big Bang Theory. God created it. And, and it's like, I just want to be overwhelmed by the beauty of God's creation. I think that that idea, that longing that I'm having right now, just also to get a little vacation time, really hadn't had much of any this year, uh, that really, I think, is starting to kind of get close to what Jesus is saying here in this mic drop statement. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, when, when we behold, when we're beholding beauty, 
uh, it transforms us. Beholding beauty transforms us. It makes us want to be beautiful. And, and I think it's really, really important to behold how beautiful, take in how beautiful God is and what God has done and what God is doing today in our life, in our community, in our family, in our world. And, and this word transforms is, is a pretty interesting word. Uh, it, it really means to go from one state to another, one condition to another. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. See, when our hearts are focused on what should be focused on, when our, when our, when our gaze is on the right things, we're gonna see God at work all around us. And, and I know there's a lot of people right now like, what is God doing? And I, I don't see God doing, it just seems like there's just chaos and turmoil and, and unrest and upheaval. Well, that only comes from a perspective that the heart is not looking at the right thing. And Jesus made this perfectly clear. I mean, think about this for just a minute. Jesus is speaking these words in this sermon we've talked about in the past. It's the beginning of these statements, the Beatitudes, are, are kind of like the big statements, and then he unpacks them in this sermon that starts in Matthew chapter five, and it goes on five, six, and seven. And he's speaking to a crowd, a, a Jewish crowd in Israel, that is being brutalized under the boot of the Roman Empire total and complete devastation. They're, they're being just steamrolled as all of pretty much the known world at the time under, or should I say the sandal, of Roman legions. And Jesus is talking about even in, under that kind of tyranny, you can still live a blessed life. So much in these statements. And he says this is what it means to be one of my followers, be my disciple. In fact, I love it at Psalm 27, verse four, the psalmist wrote, I've asked one thing from the Lord, and it is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, why does he want to do this? Gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. Let me ask you a question. If you had only one thing to ask of God, would that be it? If God said, no matter what it is, one thing you ask of me, I'll do it. Psalmist says, I just want to look at God and take in, behold his beauty. Nothing is more important to me, the psalmist says, than to gaze on the beauty. One thing he's asked is his one desire not for wealth, not for wisdom, not for power, not for influence, not for fame or fortune. One thing he's asked from the Lord, to gaze on the, his beauty and to seek him as he seeks his temple. So let me ask you a question. Where's your gaze right now? Where's your gaze? Because what you gaze at will determine the condition of your heart. What I gaze at will determine the condition of my heart. Just recently, uh, I, I love military history, and 
My wife and I had heard uh, there was a good movie uh, that, that came out not, not so long ago about uh, a, a historical battle that took place in Afghanistan. And, and so we went to pay-per-view that and got about three and a half minutes in. Man, I love war movies and all that. And I was like, I can't do this. I, 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 I can't do this. Uh, just, just because of the language that was just like, uh, I couldn't, I, I felt like I needed to go take a shower. And so uh, we just wasted that money, but that's okay. I, I didn't want that going in my heart. Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. What are you gazing on? What are you gazing on? Gazing on Fox News? Gazing on CNN? Gazing on Black Lives Matter? Gazing on Tucker Carlson? Gazing on the New York Post or the New York Times? Maybe you're gazing on Facebook. Maybe you're gazing on the White House. Gazing on the schoolhouse. Gazing on your house. Gazing on Waffle House. Whatever you gaze upon in place of God preeminent, first, most important, biggest priority will determine the condition of your heart. And the only way your heart and my heart is ever going to be pure is if we gaze on God. Nothing else is going to do it. Not one of those things. It, it'll steal our peace. It'll steal our joy. It'll steal our happiness. It'll give us worry. It'll give us anxiety. It will make us angry. It will disrupt our world when we gaze on anything, anyone. More important, more of a priority, and could I just put it this way? More time given to than God. Where's God today? Those who are pure in heart can see him working. Jesus made a promise. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll, they will see God. How do we know when our gaze is off? How can I know? Let me just help you. How can I know when my gaze is off? You know, maybe you're listening and maybe you're joining us for the first time and thank you, man. I hope it's a great experience for you joining us online or maybe at a microsite. We have new people joining those as well. But this is an important question just to kind of help us to understand what Jesus is saying. How can I know when my gaze is off? Here's how you know. When problems are big and God is small. That's how you know you're gazing at the wrong thing. That's how you know your focus is in the wrong place. When problems are big and God is small. When it seems like there's no answer, it's because we're looking at the problem. We're not looking at almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Our gaze is off. And that's why the stuff that's going on on the inside is what's going on. The psalmist said, one thing I ask, there's only one thing I desire, to gaze at the beauty of God take in who he really is because he knew something I think we need to know as well ultimately that gaze is Jesus Jesus is the one we're supposed to be looking at think about it for a minute when Jesus said this blessed are the pure in heart they'll see God it was God that was saying it and I'm sure just like happens nowadays as well, people are like talking to each other, whispering, talking about something else, you know, not paying attention. And God is saying this about himself. He's, in other words, he's like, uh-uh, excuse me, y'all, up here. 
Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. He's pointing to himself, not Greg. He's pointing to himself. They will see God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, I love this. It says, for God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. See, Jesus was fully man and he was also 100% God at the same time. He, God's glory was displayed in the face of Christ. That's what we need to focus on, God's glory. Let our gaze be upon the glory of God. If you want to know God, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Let me give you some kind of like, in theology we call this Christology, just the theology of who Christ actually was. Because it's really important that we understand. Because I, I want to see God. And I want my heart to be pure. And I believe you want your heart to be pure. See what God is doing all around us and not miss a moment that he has actually predetermined for you and for me. In John chapter 14, Jesus put it this way, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So many times Christians kind of have this, this kind of, it's really like dualism, like Jesus, man, I'm down with Jesus Christ, man. He's my man, you know, he, he's my friend. God the Father, man, he's, he's after me. He's got a big old, you know, club and he's gonna pop me on the head. You know, I'm scared of him. They're one in the same. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show, you, show him to you? He's responded to a question, show us the Father. He's like, you're looking at him. We're one and the same. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, he says. And he goes on and says, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So, so God the Father is not different, uh, could I put it this way, disposition uh, or outlook or attitude, personality than God the Son. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, it goes on uh, another place, John chapter 1, verse 14, the gospel says, and the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, same glory as the Father, the glory of the Son, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus was. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. And, and one other verse in terms of just kind of like why it's so important that, that our hearts are right to see God. Psalm 24, verse three and six. I love this in the Old Testament. It says, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? Who can really come close to God? This wasn't a new idea that Jesus was talking about here. Blessed are the pure, they'll see God. It's actually rooted in the Old Testament as well, right here, and in many, many other places. Who, who can stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands, and there it is, a pure heart. That's who can come to God. That's who can see God. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. What's a false god? Anything we put our gaze upon more and prioritize more than God. 
is a false god, is an idol. Anything. And, and it, they have no power. That's why we're so messed up on the inside. Because we're preoccupied and we prioritize all kinds of things in our life instead of gazing upon God regularly, daily, consistently, all throughout the day. It goes on and it says, they will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation, watch this now, of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. They have this passion because of their heart, as we talked about, hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said. This passion to pursue, to go after God. They'll see him because their hearts are pure. If we're not pure in heart, we won't see him. And, and, and I just want to make it clear, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not pure in heart. The reality is you're not pure in heart. Uh, one of the things that happens is, you know, when, when we come to Jesus, we realize, you know, okay, I may have messed up a little bit, but it wasn't awful. I was a pretty good person until we see Jesus and we realize, man, I am so messed up. I'm totally whacked in my heart. Totally wrecked, because we're not supposed to compare ourselves to anyone besides Jesus' perfection. Absolute perfection is the only one that we, that's how we're supposed to live. That's, that he showed us how to live. That's who we're supposed to compare ourselves. Jesus' perfection, not your mother-in-law, your neighbor, your friend, your sibling, anything like that. Jesus Christ is the only one we're supposed to ever compare ourselves with. And we see how far short we fall. It's all based on, you know, coming to Jesus is not based on our effort. It's not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus' effort and Jesus' performance. That's how we come to God. It's by grace. How, how do you become pure in heart? How do we become pure in heart? By grace. And, and I intentionally went back and asked the tech guys to change it so it looked like that. How do we become pure in heart? It's by grace. And, and by that I mean, by grace, we become a new race. The Bible makes that clear. That's called the body of Christ. Men, women, young people, every nationality, every ethnicity, when we come to Jesus Christ, by grace, we become the body of Christ, a brand new race. In the eyes of God, there are only two kinds of people on the planet. Those who are in his family that have received his son and those who have not, that are not in his family. That's it. That's it. There's no other, there's no other divisions. It's just those two. Those who have received Christ and those who haven't. Those who are in the family of God and those who have rejected the way of God. That's it. We become a brand new people, the body of Christ, by grace. I, I love it. Actually, that's not original to me. I'm reading a book by, um, by Pastor uh, Derwin Gray called The Good Life about the Beatitudes, and, he, and he's the one that said it that way. I thought that's just so key. I, I want to reflect that or uh, say that as well. See, we are a family of grace, which is a new race, and that is the family of God. 
Because it's not about our performance. It's not about our effort. It's all about Jesus' perfect performance in this life, sinless in every way. It's about the effort that he put in for you and for me, that he lived a sinless life, and he laid that life down as a sacrifice and really as a substitute in your place and in my place. And he paid the price that my, pun- my sins deserved. That was the price, the punishment that he took. Your sins, that's what you deserve. That's what he took in your place and my place and rose again three days later. That's why when he was on the cross, he said it was finished. It's paid in full. It's by grace we become a new race. And that race is the family of God because of the grace of God. So how, uh, how, how do we really become pure by grace? Well, I think there's four things that we need to understand that Jesus accomplished for you and for me so that we can have a pure heart, live these things out, and see God everywhere, every day. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, I guess, an old country boy. I was born in Georgia and lived there for the first number of years of my life, and uh, there, there's this, this song George Strait sang, it kind of came out, I think it's like 1990s, uh, called I Saw God Today. Great song about his baby girl being born. I saw God today. See, he, he's working, but so many times we don't look and we don't see because our hearts are not pure. The way Jesus wants our hearts to be pure, that's why he came, that's why he lived, That's why he died, and that's why he rose again, so that our hearts would be pure. Because we are impure, Jesus made us pure. Because you and I are impure, Jesus made us pure. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jesus didn't come to change just your thinking. Jesus came to change your heart to change my heart, because our hearts are messed up. Look at what the Bible says, Hebrews, which by the way, I'm just gonna stop right here and just add a little church humor here. By the way, men, did you know, uh, those of you married, you, you ought to make the coffee for your wife every morning if she's a coffee drinker. It's biblical, because it says he brews right there. If she drinks tea, ain't no problem, doesn't count, but if she drinks coffee, he brews, you're supposed to do it. There, ha ha, yeah. Okay, it wasn't so funny, but I'm trying at least, all right? Let's just back off. Okay, Hebrews chapter one, verse three. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. This is why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the exact representation of the Father. I'm not kind of like, I'm not sort of like, I'm not like maybe, I'm like I'm the good guy, he's the bad guy, I'm the nice one, he's the the bad one, you know, not at all. The exact representation of his being. And watch this now, speaking of Jesus, I love this, sustaining all things by by his powerful word. Jesus holding everything together by his word. After he had provided purification for sins, that's what he did on the cross for you and for me, he sat down at the right hand of the, ma- of, of the majesty in heaven. Well, why does it say this, he sat down? After he 
provided purification. He made you and I pure. We were impure, but because of his sinless life, sacrificial death, and resurrection from the dead, he paid the price in full, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. It's pretty interesting. In ancient world, when a king's work was finished, he sat down. It's like Jesus, you know, uh, after his resurrection, he ascended up to our Heavenly Father, and then he just sat down and said, hey, Father, done. Did it. Just going to chill here. Let's send the Holy Spirit to help him. He sat down. It was finished because of Jesus' sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. So let me ask you a question again. How much do you gaze upon what Jesus has done for you? Are we gazing upon all kinds of other stuff? That's why we have no peace. That's why we have no joy. Even in the middle of a pandemic. Listen, y'all, this isn't the first pandemic ever happened. It's not like God was like, oh no, I wasn't looking. Something happened, it's terrible. This isn't the first financial crisis the world has ever seen. This isn't the first time there's been a civil unrest in the streets. This is, this is not new. God's still in control. Jesus is still on the throne. He's sitting down and he's saying, who is pure in heart and can see what I'm doing on the planet in the world today. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Because we're unclean, Jesus has made us clean. Because we're unclean, Jesus has made us clean. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, one that I remember when I was a little, little fella. Uh, actually, I think I was even younger than 10 years old. My parents had me memorize this one. This was one of those that was on the refrigerator at our house. My mom write on index cards, have us memorize. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, watch this now, and purify us from all unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? Unrighteousness is simply this. You ready for it? It's the same definition of sins. It's when I decide Heavenly Father, not my will, I'm sorry, not your will, mine be done. That's unrighteous. That's sin. When I reject God's will, when I reject God's way, and I say, nope, Greg's way on this one, that's sin. And it taints my heart. And it causes my heart to darken. And when I realize what I've done, I need to confess that. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, sin is not a little problem. Sin was a big problem. If sin was a little problem, Jesus would not have come. He was the only answer and the only antidote. For sin's serious problem, God gave a beautiful and a serious solution and his name is Jesus. He's the remedy. You, you know what, we look around, what's going on in our world today, and what, what, what's the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is, it's sin. It's just sin. We don't like to talk about it, we don't like to think about it, and we sure don't want to admit it's in our heart. But it is in my heart. And it is in your heart as well. 
And that's why we struggle to see Jesus the way he really is. To see God because of the sin in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Favored, that's what the word means, are the pure in heart. Envied are the pure in heart. That's what that word blessed means that Jesus uses there. For they will see God, not just in the sweet by and by, but in the right here and the right now. Here's the third thing we need to understand about how Jesus made us pure. Because we're unrighteous, Jesus made us righteous. Because we're unrighteous, because I want what I want when I want it, my opinion is the one that's the most important. I like you if you agree with me. That, that's the way that sin sees the world. That's the way that pride sees the world. That is the flesh totally contradictory to everything Jesus stood for and what we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. Look at what the Bible says, Romans chapter three, verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We have to believe in Jesus Christ, that he lived for me, he died for me, he rose from the dead for me, he paid the price in full, and I receive that sacrifice, and I surrender my life to Jesus, as we've talked about in weeks past. Not just commit, surrender my life totally and completely to him. There is no difference then, watch this now, between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You have, I have, every single man, woman, young person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Goes on and says, and all are justified by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so when we receive, when we put our faith in Jesus' sinless life, his death and his resurrection, then we're forgiven, then we're saved, and then we're made clean by his grace. By his grace. Not my effort, not your effort. We'll never earn it, we'll never deserve it. It's the free gift of God, grace, that we will never deserve. And his Holy Spirit begins to cleanse us on the inside. What does it mean to be pure? The last point is this. Because we're unholy, Jesus made us holy. Because you and I are unholy, Jesus has made us holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, God has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from our sin. Don't get hung up on some kind of real churchy understanding of what holy means. Uh, you know, uh, holiness doesn't mean I don't drink, smoke, and chew. I don't go with the girls who do. That's not what holiness means. Holiness means, and this is what's really important, especially you see Jesus talking about it in this Sermon on the Mount. Holiness means set apart. For God's use, set apart, different. This is what Jesus was talking about again, all in the same understanding, when he said about 
his followers who were supposed to be, he said, you are the light of the world. You're different. The world is dark. The world is full of evil and sin. You're supposed to live contrast to that. A countercultural life. And you'll be light in the darkness. You'll be salt in a bland plain. Everybody conform to the image of the world. You'll be salt that'll flavor culture and community when you are being who I've created you to be as my followers. It goes on and it says, therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Think about that for just a minute. The Bible tells us real clearly there is only one thing that you and I should brag about, and that's Jesus. That's it. You want to boast? There's one thing. Boast about God. Boast about what God has done in your life. Boast about what you see God doing on a daily basis around you because your gaze is not on the current events. It's not on all these other things. Your gaze is on him, on him. And your life is standing out from the crowd, not lockstep marching along with, but standing out as light in the middle of darkness. Let me just boil all this down. As Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let me just give you a simple equation to focus in on. Just spend time thinking about this, praying about this, meditating, pondering on this. Jesus' best, and that's what he gave, is greater than our worst. Just gaze on that. Just just ponder. Jesus' best is greater than your worst, my worst, our worst. That's why Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to every problem that plagues us. Jesus, Jesus' best is greater than our worst. When we, when we understand that, blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. Then the next statement we're going to look at next week makes a lot of sense. The next mic drop statement Jesus said was, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. But you can't be a peacemaker until there's peace in your heart. All you're going to be, if there's trouble in your heart, you know what you're going to be? A troublemaker. When we recognize and we allow Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, to become more like Jesus, now that peace that comes as we gaze upon him, we see him, we see what he's doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our children, in our families, in our community. Peace comes. God, I trust you. I trust you no matter what. Now we can be peacemakers because peace is in our heart instead of troublemakers 
because our hearts are troubled. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, even during this time of reflection and looking at Jesus' words, Lord, Lord, I'm confident that you've been speaking. Lord, just as Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me, and I know them. Lord, thank you for the good shepherd who leads us. Even, Even when our gaze is gone off course, and we're looking at all kinds of things in this world, that the problems have gotten big, and our idea and our understanding of you has gotten really, really small. Father, by your Holy Spirit, help us to refocus. Refocus on what really matters, not just in this life, but for eternity. And Lord, purify our hearts. Forgive us, God, for our gaze being too low instead of being focused upon you. Forgive us, God, for not being the children of light that you have caused us to be, that our lives would contrast and be counter to what the culture says. Forgive us, Father, and may we see your hand today, tomorrow, and in the future as we focus upon your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ and all he's done for us. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you've never prayed and surrendered your life to Jesus, received his sacrifice for your sins. I just invite you to open your heart up to him right now and receive him. It's not your effort. It's not your performance. It's his effort and his performance. That's why it's called grace. Just pray after me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, I ask you, be my Savior and be my Lord. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward by your Holy Spirit, and I will follow you. Amen. Amen.